Well, uh, this morning we're continuing our series, uh, When Jesus Comes to Church, and that's uh, really what we're taking a look at. What would happen if Jesus showed up in bodily form at TFRC? And what would Jesus think and say and all that stuff? In uh, the book of Revelation, there's these seven churches. And in, in a sense, that's exactly what happened there for them. Um, Jesus showed up in the form of a letter. He wrote a letter to seven, to seven different churches and had something to say. He had um, this compassion in him, but he also had this stinging truth in him at the same time. He communicates both at the same time. And so uh, we've been visiting these seven churches trying to hear, well, what does God have to say to us through these letters as well? Um, this morning, we're visiting the fifth of the seven churches. It's the church in Sardis. Um, if you have your Bibles, our scripture reading this morning is found in Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Um, in the Worship Center Bibles, that's page 992 if that's helpful to you. Um, and then our scripture reader this morning is going to be Linda Moon. Linda, you can head on up when you're ready. Um, and then church, what we do is we stand and we face the center of the room as the scripture is read, if you're able to. The reason we do this, again, week after week after week, is to remind ourselves that scripture is central. It's the story of Jesus. So Linda, when you are ready, you can start reading for us. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you, Linda. You all may take a seat. And just, uh, I would stay open in Revelation 3 there. We'll be revisiting that a lot this morning. Um, I'm going to start with a story. Um, when I was in high school, my group of friends came up with this great idea. The idea was we were going to go to a haunted corn maze. It was around this same season. And um, just as a footnote, I'm a big scaredy cat when it comes to scary things. I don't like them. I don't like scary movies. I don't like haunted anything. I'm not really a big fan of that stuff. But in this particular situation, I felt compelled that I had to go. And that was because there was a cute girl there. And I had to go. And I felt like I wanted this cute girl to think, you know, John is a tough, masculine fella. Kind of like what you guys think of me. You know, like that kind of thing. And so I went to this haunted corn maze. Um, and we, we showed up, we got out of the cars, and I was immediately nervous, and I was immediately um, sweating. And there was this moment before we even stepped into the corn maze, it was like right at the foot of the corn maze there, um, there was this stuffed scarecrow on a pole hanging there. And we were walking past, and one of my friends noticed it and said, wow, look at how scary that scarecrow is. And I felt like that was the moment that I had to show just how tough I really am to this girl. And so I walked up to this stuffed scarecrow, and I started like 
mocking it. This thing's not scary. This thing is, you know, it's just a stuffed scarecrow. Everyone's a bunch of wusses, yada, yada, yada. And I got within like 10 inches of it, and then I turned, and then I looked at it, and then suddenly it opened its eyes and said, boo. And then like a toddler, I screamed, and then I ran away. And then the scarecrow jumped down off the pole and started chasing me, and my friends all laughed at me. Now, the real punchline to the story is that that cute girl married me later, and so that says something about her more than me, I think. We've all had those moments when we look at something and we think that it's one thing, and then when we get close to it, we realize it is something else, like a child in their room at night and the lights are out and there's that scary shadow on the wall and then mom and dad flick the lights on and they look and it turns out to be a lamp or a toy or something like that sometimes in life things appear to be one thing and then upon a closer inspection it turns out to be something else and this is exactly what Jesus sees when he shows up in Sardis. At a distance, the church in Sardis looked like a healthy, vibrant faith community, a good church, a growing church, a church on fire for God. But as Jesus inches in closer and closer to this church in Sardis, a different picture emerges. Now, Jesus' letter to Sardis um, has some of the greatest scripture now, I think, because it's so loaded with meaning and images and all that fun stuff. Um, and so as we read this passage, um, with modern eyes, we read it, and we really don't see all the images and the metaphor that Jesus is talking about. I want to peel back some of that for us this morning. Um, just kind of as a side note here, you know, when we read the Bible, we have to try to live in the story in order to fully understand the story, Right? Like, we really need to understand through the eyes of the readers in Sardis what that letter would have looked like and meant like to them in order to really understand what Scripture is. It's so true of our reading this morning. Now, in our passage this morning, Jesus uses um, several images, but I want to show you three of them this morning. Three different images Jesus uses to illustrate what he had to say in Sardis. And they're all three images that we wouldn't see upon first reading this passage. Um, an image of a graveyard, an image of a temple, and an image of a factory. And Jesus uses these images for the church in Sardis to make three judgments about this church. Now, when you were a kid, and when I was a kid, you probably had this experience. Um, you say something very judgmental about a person, or for me, it was a kind of food, like, you, mushrooms are gross. And then your parents would say something like, Johnny, don't judge a book by its cover, right? You probably heard that. You probably said that to your kids as well. In some sense, this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He's judging a book by its cover. And he's doing so in Sardis for a reason. You see, when it comes to faith, our exterior lives, our behavior, the things that we do and act upon in our lives are often a reflection of what's going on in the interior of our lives. And Jesus wanted to point that out to this church and probably to us this morning as well. A graveyard, a temple, a factory. I want to start with a, a graveyard for us this morning. If you have your Bible, 
Um, turn to our scripture reading, Revelation 3. And I want to start in verse 1 and just read through a little chunk of this for you this morning. Listen to this. Jesus says, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Now, the city of Sardis really becomes the, the picture or image that Jesus refers to again and again and again. Any reader that lived in Sardis would have seen this. Oh, Jesus is talking about this and this and this. Um, Sardis was known as an old money town. Um, they were a town that back generations before this letter to this church was written, Sardis was the capital of the city of Asia during the Persian Empire. They were a big deal town. It was a strategic trade town, and it was a military town. There were these two mountains that sat, that Sardis sat kind of at the foot of, and on top of one of those mountains was this massive, giant stronghold, and it was impenetrable. It had only been penetrated through um, a, one guy secretly sneaking around and making his way in. It was just known for its power, and so Sardis had this reputation about them. They had money, and they had fame, they were a town that was cultured and beautiful and artistic. But Sardis, this great city, had a problem. You see, Sardis looked good on the outside, especially from a distance. But when you would walk through the streets and you'd listen to the people, and you, if you paid close attention, what you would notice is Sardis was a dying town. Now, right next to Sardis, there's these two hills, like I mentioned. One has this giant military stronghold on it. The other hill um, has another city on it, a city of the dead, um, what people in the ancient world called a necropolis. There's a picture of it on the screen right here. We call it a cemetery. And this cemetery was huge. It was just gigantic. That whole hillside is covered in graves. It's massive. And so as the city of Sardis continues to decline and to die. The necropolis of Sardis continues to grow. Now today, if you go visit Sardis, one of the major features is that necropolis. Still, it's huge. We don't even know what all is there at this point. It's massive. But Sardis, the city, is long gone. By reputation, Sardis was amazing. But upon a closer look, the city was eroding away. It would soon be left like a graveyard. And you see, Jesus draws upon this image of their city that is dying. And he says, you know how your city is dying? Well, your faith is actually doing exactly the same thing at this moment. On the outside, your church looks strong and it has a great reputation. You probably do some really cool things in your house churches. You've probably got some good preachers and some good singing and all of that stuff. You look great as a church, Jesus says. But look closer. Your metropolis is becoming a necropolis, in a sense. You're dying, Jesus says. In the Bible, um, a dead faith is mentioned a, a, a few times. Um, in James 2, it's mentioned. It'll be on the screen here. James says, If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? 
In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. The church in Sardis had a great reputation. They really looked like they had something going on. They looked like a vibrant, vibrant church. But their faith was really dead. They weren't doing anything. Their faith was a graveyard. Could this be true of you and I this morning? Where we look good at a distance, but as people get closer and closer to us, a different picture emerges. Where from a distance, it looks like, yeah, our life is going really well. Things are good. We are excelling. Like, we've got this life thing down. Where we leave the house and we look good. We've got the right clothes on. We've got the right makeup on. We look fashionable, right? We look good. Where our social media pages, our Facebook and Twitter and all that, right? We post these great smiling pictures of ourselves all over social media. Look at how great our life is. All the good stuff. Where we post Bible verses on our Facebook feeds, right? Like, look at this verse. I love the Bible. I want to show you this verse. Or we say, we'll pray for you because we have a dynamic prayer life, right? We put on that front that that's all true. Where when people ask us how we're doing, how our faith is, we say, oh, we're doing great. We've got a couple problems, but we're doing really good. Yet we look closer at our lives, and perhaps for some of us, it's just not reality, where faith, we're like, man, our faith is floundering. I'm struggling. Or our marriage is just not doing well. Or those hurts, they're coming back again and again, and we, don't, we keep everyone at a distance. They don't get to see those things. Jesus says, you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Look, it's, it's easier to look like a follower of Jesus than to actually live like one. It's way easier. Does your outside image represent the real you? Does it? So Jesus mentions a, a graveyard. Then the second image he uses is that of a temple. If you have a Bible, open up to Revelation 3 again um, and take a look at verse 2. Jesus says to the church in Sardis, says, Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Jesus says to the church in Sardis, You look like an unfinished temple. Now, we wouldn't see that, right? But the people in Sardis knew exactly what Jesus is talking about when he said, Your deeds are unfinished in my sight. Now, the city of Sardis at the time where this church was, um, had this massive temple in it. It was a temple to Artemis. It was a Greco-Roman god temple. It was huge, and it was beautiful. It was one of the bigger in the ancient world. But there's something about that temple that you have to know. It was never finished. They began to work on the temple for years and years and years and build up this temple. And there was a moment where it just ran out of steam and they couldn't finish the temple. It just sat there, half-built, and Jesus says to the church in Sardis, your faith looks like that big unfinished temple in town. It started strong. You were growing and you were being transformed. It was obvious to everyone that you knew that you really were growing. You were sold out for Jesus. And then, and then something happened along the way. And God's work in shaping and changing just stopped. 
And now you look like that half-built temple in town. Jesus says, I have found your deeds unfinished in my sight. The church of Sardis went from growing to stagnant, like a half-finished temple. You see, Jesus knows that we need to grow. We have to. It's like that old business cliche, right? Um, if you're not growing, you are dying, right? If you're not growing, you are dying. As a business, you've got to keep growing, keep expanding, keep growing. And if you stop doing that, you will die. It's true of business. It's true of our faith, too. If we are not growing, we are dying. And the question is that Jesus has for us, is are you growing in your faith or has your faith stalled out? Has it stopped? Because if it's stalled out, you are dying in your faith. Are you growing? Does your faith look like a temple in progress? Does it look like when you look at your faith right now, like God is putting up new wings in your life and God is putting on a roof, a new roof right now, God's putting in new flooring, new cement right now. Is that happening in your life? Are you a growing temple in some sense, or are you not? Are you stagnant? There's a third image that Jesus gives the church in Sardis, the image of a factory. Um, Again, if you didn't live in Sardis, you wouldn't know what Jesus is saying here. Um, Jesus writes in Revelation 3, verse 4, if you want to look in your Bibles with me. Jesus says, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. It's a great line, isn't it? Soiled their clothes. Um, in the city of Sardis, by far the most famous industry there was their wool industry. They were a wool clothing industry. So much so that Sardis would supply the immediate area with clothing. It became part of the city's identity. We're the city that makes all the wool clothing for everybody. Now, wool clothing was important because you needed to stay dressed. You know, that's uncomfortable, but it's more than that. You see, wool clothing, when it's made, is clean, and it's white, and it looks good. And you see, in order to enter a pagan temple in that day, you needed to wear clothing that was white and clean and good. And if you weren't wearing clothing that was white and clean and good, you would not be entered to able, or, uh, able to enter the temple. And Jesus says to the church in Sardis, you know all those nice, clean, white woolen clothes you're making? Those are not the clothes you're wearing. Those are not the clothes you're wearing. Many of you don't look like this. Some of you do, but many of you don't look like this. Your garments are soiled and dirty and discolored. Now, in our day, if we're wearing clothes and we spill on ourselves, like it's common in my house, we spill all over ourselves all the time, we take our clothes and then we put them in a washing machine and then we add detergent or bleach or all that stuff and we start it, throw it in the dryer, and then in a couple hours, boom, clothes are nice and clean and fresh and white again, right? That wasn't true in the ancient world. You had your clothes and they were nice and new and then they got dirty and cleaning them was quite the task. In fact, it was incredibly ineffective to clean your clothes. What they would do is they would take a big bucket, they'd put it on the ground, they would take their clothes, 
put it in the bucket, add water, pr- probably warm water, and then they would step into the bucket, and then they would go like this and stomp on their clothes, hoping that it would get the dirt out. Now, in the ancient world, they didn't have detergent, not like we do. And so they had to come up with other ways of trying to get stains out of their clothes, other liquids, whatever it may be. Do you know what they used to get the stains out of their clothes? Urine. Urine. Thank God for today. Amen. Urine. And so they would have these nice new clothes. They'd get a stain in them, and they would try to wash them, and they would wash them with urine from animals or men or whatever it may be. And you can imagine the clothes weren't super clean afterwards. And Jesus says, this is what the reality is like for the church in Sardis. They had dirtied themselves. You know, it's not just clothes. It's like morality. It's who you are. It's your loyalties, all that stuff. You've dirtied yourself, Jesus says. You've bought into sin and brokenness and shame and probably some pagan rituals to dash on top of that, right? You've bought into that stuff. And they knew that they had, and they're trying to get the grime out, and so they take themselves and they beat themselves up trying to get the sin out, right? Trying to clean themselves off. I don't, metaphorically urinating. I don't know what that looks like. But, you know, trying to get all the sin off of themselves, they tried all these strategies, and it failed. When you see yourself, do you see soiled garments? Is that what you see when you see yourself? Do you see your sin and shame and hurt and past and all that? And do you have all those strategies in place? I'm going to strong arm this baby. I'm going to make it stop. I'm going to be more disciplined this time. I'm going to put the past in the past forever this time. I'm going to stop beating myself up this time. I'm, I'm going to move on. I'm going to not look at that internet website again. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to strong arm it, and it's, I'm going to make this work this time. I'm not going to talk bad about that person anymore. I'm going to forgive that person this time. It's going to happen this time. And then we try, and we try, and what happens? We fail, and we fail. We try to clean ourselves up, get the sin off, and it doesn't seem to happen, but we try. See, Jesus wants us to know there's a difference between doing our best to clean ourselves up versus God making us new. There's a huge difference to that. See, Jesus uses these three image, images, a graveyard, a temple, a factory. What about you this morning? Maybe you're like, yeah, I can identify with one of those. Totally, that's me. Maybe you're like, I, I, I got two of them. Or maybe you're like, I pretty much have all those down, like that's me to a T. Maybe that's you this morning. What does Jesus see when he sees you? When he looks at the cover of your life, what does Jesus see? And if your life feels like a a, a graveyard, right? Not a vibrant city. If your life feels like an unfinished, abandoned temple versus a temple that's in progress, it's, it's under construction. If you feel like you've bought into the gospel of sin management, right? Like, I'm going to clean myself up. I'm going to strong arm this thing because you're trying to get those clean clothes and it just doesn't seem to happen. Jesus has an answer for us. 
In Revelation 3, starting in verse 4, Jesus says, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. You know, if, you, if you're a person that marks up your Bibles, there's two phrases that I would mark up in mine if I was you. The first is, walk with me. And the second is, the one who is victorious. You want to know how to be truly alive, truly growing and being built up and truly clean and worthy in life? Jesus says, walk with the one who is victorious and that's how it happens. That's it. And who's the victorious one? Who is it? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus tells you and me, it's okay. Just walk with me. Walk with me. You know, we have this tendency to make life more complicated. And we have this tendency to make our faith more complicated. It's more complicated than that, right? But Jesus says, no, no, no. No, I mean, it's the simple things. Just walk with me. If you feel like your life looks a lot like a graveyard and less like a vibrant, growing city. If you feel like you're slipping back into those old habits again and again, you feel like you're headed in the wrong direction, you feel like you're dying on the vine, if that's where you're at, Jesus says, it's okay. Just walk with me. Walk with me. And the more you walk with me, the more you'll grow and bounce back to life. If you feel like you're that unfinished temple, you started out strong in your faith and you're like, I'm, I've got this and then something happened and all the passion's gone and you're just stagnating in your faith. Jesus says, it's okay. Just, just walk with me. That's it. Walk with me. Be with me and you'll grow. Just walk with me. If you feel like soiled clothes, like you've got all this dirt on you and you're trying to get it off and you know like it's really hard to get off, Jesus says, it's okay. Walk with me. Walk with me. And whatever has a stronghold on you will begin to lose its stronghold. Just walk with me. Maybe this morning, you're in a place where you're like, I have not walked with Jesus in a long time. It's okay. Because Jesus is here right now inviting you to walk with him again. It's okay. Walk with me. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I don't know what I believe. I don't know if I buy this Christianity thing. I don't know what I believe about anything. But you're here and you're in this space, right? You must have some questions. Jesus says, even in your unbelief, it, it's okay. Just, just walk with me. Are you walking with him? Because he wants to. Let's pray.
Jesus we realize and recognize. It doesn't take much for us to see that we've got all kinds of problems. We recognize all the places where we're apathetic toward you. We recognize all the places where we're, we're wounded and our wounds just keeps coming back to haunt us. We recognize all the places where we really don't let people in, like really let people into to the real us, God. God, and we recognize all of that is not the way it's supposed to be. And God, we've tried, like all of us have, to make those things work, and it just doesn't seem to happen for, for us sometimes. And God, we thank you that it's not us that does the changing, it's, it's you that does the transforming in us. And all we have to do is walk with you. God, we ask that you prompt us. Give us a heart that wants to just be with you. In relationship with you. And to trust that that's enough. That you've got the rest taken care of. Give us that trust. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me leave you with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen?